welcome back to the 832 podcast. And our guest today is Brent. How are you doing, Brent? Hi, I'm great, man. Thanks for having <laughs> me on the podcast. Awesome. We're glad you're here, Brent. And yes. I'd like to open up our conversation today uh, for relationships with others on how can we as like Christian teens incorporate God into our relationships with Christian significant others and non-Christian significant others if you know we have a non-Christian significant other. Okay. So what you're saying is uh do I missionary date or not? Is that what you're basically asking? Sure. <laughs> do you know what I mean by missionary dating? Right, yeah, I, I know what, I I think I understand what you mean when you say missionary date and it's like can I turn my um right you know, significant other into a Christian and uh, I know you and I have talked a lot of well, not talked a lot but we've talked a bit about this yeah. outside and it's like that doesn't work that doesn't I, not I it, I mean I'm sure it's happened but it's it's right. not it's not super common um I find in most circumstances when someone's just like well I'm dating someone and 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 if you want to use like the churchy term that would be equally yoked now, if you don't know what I mean by that, because I was like, what does that mean? You know, I mean, I said that to a, a college student a couple of years ago and they were like, uh, like eggs. I was like, no, not that kind of yolk. <laughs> um, when you say that you're equally yoked, it means that uh, the, the yoke of the ox, you know, is, is stretched across the wooden beam is stretched across the two oxes shoulders so that they can pull at the same time and they can pull together and their strength together is means that they have, they have more power and they have more strength because they're working as a team. And what they mean by equally yoked is if, you, if you're dating someone who's equally yoked to Jesus, then all the dating is going to do is increase, you know, your, uh, your, your, your love for Christ and increase your, your relate, not only your relationship with the other person, but your relationship with Jesus. If you're, you're dating someone who is, as they say, unequally yoked to you or, or unequally yoked to Jesus, then what you've got is you've got one person who's pulling really hard to Jesus and one person who's not. And I can tell you what happens in that circumstance. It never turns out well. You don't find two oxen pulling, one's pulling halfway and the other one's not. You, they, don't, they don't plow well together. They, they, they end up fighting each other and they end up one. Then basically what normally happens is uh, the person who is unequally yoked and who is not living that life tends to drag that, drag that person back to where they are. It's the old analogy. If you put somebody, if someone's laying on the ground, and someone's standing up, how hard is it to pull them flat off the ground versus how easy it is to pull somebody down to the ground? You know, it's a whole lot easier to pull somebody down than it is easier to pull them up. So, um, and forgive me, I'm trying to look up your questions real quick on your email stream. Um, uh, so I, so I can speak directly into that. Uh, but I think, I think what, what, uh, when you, when you look at the, you know, how do you incorporate God into your relationship with your Christian significant other i think is when you realize that god is the center of all relationships and god is the center of all love and if god's the center of all relationships god's the center of love then god's supposed to be number one in your relationship um uh i've told people for years and that uh i love my wife dearly we've been married 23 years well you know we've been dating for you know we're together now for 25 that's 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 longer than i was ever single and and i love her dearly but the main thing I love is Jesus Christ. I love Jesus more than my wife. And since I love Jesus more than my wife, and since I love, and Jesus says we are to love our wives or our spouses as, as 
you know, God loved the church. And what God did was he sent Jesus Christ to die for the church. In job as a husband, my job is in a relationship with my, my, my bride is that I'm supposed to treat her like the bride of Christ, which is the church. I'm supposed to be willing to give my life for her. Okay. And so basically that means by having God as the center of our relationship, the center of what makes us married and makes us a couple, we are asking God to be number one in all situations and to guide us through. Um, years ago, I asked a bunch of teenagers who were, who were, some of them were dating, some of them were not. I was like, have you ever stopped and prayed before your date? Like when you, when you picked the girl up or you picked the boy up or whatever, you got together and you stopped, you held hands and you prayed together that God would bless that evening that you were about to have. And they looked at me like I was a crazy person. But I'm like, so what you're saying is you're like, whatever you're planning to do on the date, you really don't want God involved in that. And they were like, uh, uh it was like dead silence. It was the most crickets I've ever heard in a room. Like, well, and I was like, well, I'm just saying like that, Pastor Brandon. Well, yeah, yeah. well, I mean but and I wasn't insinuating anything either. I'm just I'm just saying that if God if if your relationship is important to you, then why on earth wouldn't you want God in the middle of it? If you love somebody, why on earth wouldn't you want to see them for eternity in heaven? Why wouldn't you want them to have as close a relationship with Jesus Christ as you do? Because to me, that's the epitome of showing somebody love is helping them find a relationship with God, helping them find a relationship with Jesus. If you don't love somebody enough to, to push that as part of your relationship, then I would say, do you really, really love them? Or do you just lust after them? Or are you just, you're just hanging out? You know, because I know people that are just like, well, I don't know if I'm ready for all that kind of commitment. I'm like, well, I'm just saying that if you if you care about somebody, why wouldn't you want Jesus in the middle of everything? Right. I mean, if you're willing to pray for to pray to Jesus and say, thank you, Lord, for this uh, pizza that I'm about to eat or this Chick-fil-A. I'm about to eat, but Lord, I can't have I can't be praying over this girlfriend or this boyfriend. <laughs> I got then wait, wait, wait. There's a. There's a disconnect there that we're that we're hitting kind of hard, and and I, I would I would say you probably need to reconsider that one, you know. And 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 your, your next question is like, how do you incorporate God into your relationship with your with your non-Christian significant? And then the question I have is, okay, well, number one, make what makes them a non-Christian is because they don't go to church or they don't believe. But now you've got to ask yourself, okay, is my faith strong enough so that if this person who is a non-Christian, are they going to drag me to a place where where I don't want to be? Are they going to put me into a position that I don't want to be in? You know, are they going to, are they going to, is this, is this a relationship, is this relationship worth it enough that it might damage my permanent relationship with Jesus Christ? Because there's one thing I can guarantee you, we're all going to die. We can agree with that, right? Right. Death and taxes. Yes. That's what they say are the two, <laughs> the two things that are not, you, you're going to have death and taxes. Well, if death is one of those is things that we know is going to happen and we don't know when it's coming, the Lord says that, you know, we never know the day or the time. Uh, then the last thing I want to do is jeopardize my relationship with Jesus to have a temporary earthly relationship here on earth. Now, I'm assuming you guys are wanting to talk about like teenage relationships, not old man relationships, correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. How long do you think the average teenage relationship lasts? Not long. <laughs> not Like long. a couple yeah, months. Man. Yeah. A couple months. Every now and then you meet that mm -hmm. couple that have been together for like two years and everybody's like, what? Yeah. You've been together for two years? Yeah. That is so long. You know, I'm like, I own t-shirts older than your relationship. I really, I, 
I, I might have food in the fridge that's older than your relationship. You don't know. Um, most teenage relationships don't last a super long time. Mm-hmm. So, so is it worth it to damage a permanent and an eternity with Jesus Christ for a two to five month relationship here on earth? Right. I don't know. I, I, I would doubt that very many teenagers sit there and ponder that thought. Maybe that's why they're listening to the podcast, right? Uh, they're, they're, they're not really pondering this, okay, this relationship. Most of the time we get into a relationship, we're so excited about being in the relationship and the newness of it. We're not really thinking three months, six months, eternity down the road. We're thinking tomorrow. Right. Um, and my, my thought would be, you know, how do you incorporate God in your relationships? Um, I got an idea. Take them to church. And if the girl's like, or the guy's like, I don't really want to go to church with you. That's a red flag. That's like a flag, you know, they're throwing up there. Um, take them to youth group. Take them, ask them, can we pray together? Can we do a Bible study about relationships together? And if the answer is no, well, then that's an answer, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Though? You know what I mean? That, that, would be, that would be significant to me. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you, do you love and do you believe and do you serve the way I do? And if not, then am I willing to sacrifice that just for what could possibly be a temporary relationship. Now, I also know that there are people that have married their high school sweetheart. They met a girl when they were in, or a guy when they were in middle school and they've been together for 50 years. And they're like, well, that's not my story. I'm talking like statistically, right? <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, yeah. The chances of you being together forever are slim. Mm-hmm. But now, now I am also not one of these people says, do you, do you not date them? I think, I think you have to date, I think, but you have to date with the intention. It was like, okay, if I'm, if there are people who will tell you you shouldn't date unless you're intending to marry the person. I'm like, how would I know who I wanted to marry when I was 15? I, I don't know. But I think you should date like someone else is going to marry them. You know what I mean? And that you shouldn't be adding to their baggage. Okay. Go ahead, Ethan. You no, look I, like you I, I was going to ask, like, could you explain a bit on the um, date them like someone else is going to marry them? Well, that's what's going to happen, right? Right. We just agreed that teenage relationships don't last a long time. Mm-hmm. So you you need to date them like someone else is going to marry them. And do you really want to be the person that someday, and since we're all guys here on the podcast, let's look at it from the male perspective. Do you really want to be the person that the girl has to explain someday why this guy was so terrible to them? Or why this guy broke their heart, and this is why they're, this is why they they're they're they have trust issues with boys or or men or anything like that later in life. Do you really want to be in that conversation? You know what I mean? Do you do you want does your do you want your name brought up to that? Well, you know things were really good, and then I dated Brent. That's not cool. Nobody wants that. That's not cool. That's not cool. And the bad thing is, I can tell you that even in my own life, there are people who would probably say those words because I wasn't a believer when I was a teenager. I wasn't, this was not on my mind. This is not something I ever had anyone tell me. Um, so there, I, I look at it from the perspective of, okay, when you date somebody, if you know it's going to be a temporary thing, or at least more than likely it's going to be a temporary thing, you, you treat it like that. And you treat it like, you treat it like, well, okay, this person's going to marry somebody else. I don't want to do something that's going to cause them to regret ever knowing my name. You know what I mean? To me, that's how one of the ways you put God into the relationship, but it's also about prayer and it's about worshiping together and not being afraid to, to pray together. And if they don't want to pray with you, then I'd be like, well, mm, 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 we're probably not going to get a long, long term, you know? Um, 
because prayer is a, is a direct relationship with God. Why would you, why would you, uh, why would you not encourage that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now the non-Christian, that's, that's, that's what they call like missionary dating. That's where you're dating thinking you're going to change them. And, and we discussed that just a second ago, but at the same time, I think you, um, I think you need to be very careful when you date someone who's, whose morale or whose morals and values and whose um whose faith walk is not the same as yours that unequally yoked thing is a real deal and and uh i know these things from experience many years ago i know i'm an old guy and you don't want to hear about that but that's cool um i know these things from many from many experience uh, from my own experience but i also have seen it time and time and time again over the last 20 years of ministry where someone's dating somebody who is not as equally yoked as they are and who is, or whose faith is not as, as, as purposeful and as per and as um, strong as theirs are. And, and what tends to happen is they're the ones that go down the path that leads them away from God. And it's never pretty. It's never pretty. I think I've waxed eloquently enough on that. All right. So the second question is how do you incorporate uh, God with others like friends? I guess. And that's Christian and non-Christian. Like, how can I, Oh yeah. you know, with our teen friendships, sure. incorporate God into Christian and non-Christian friendships? Well, it's kind of the same way you do any relationships. Um, when's the last time you gathered with a group of your buddies and said, guys, before we go do this, can we pray? You know, you probably do that with youth group. You might do right. that on a mission trip. How right. often have you done that just like getting together with folks, you know? Exactly. Or sometimes it's like, okay, we, well, we ordered a pizza. Cool. And you're hanging out together. Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's pray over it first. If someone looks at you and is like, mm-hmm, this whole prayer thing, you know, it, to me, it's, 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 it has to be part of who you are deep inside. And then that rubs off on your other relationships. Um, you know, I, pl- I play in a, in a rock band with some guys who are all good to Christian men. Matter of fact, most of them go to our church, but at the same time, um, you know, we, we, we encounter people all the time who are not, who are not Christians. Now, how do we deal with that? Well, part of it is that you, we support each other as good Christian men, you know, uh, matter of fact, uh, during a couple of shows, I've even fallen into the words where I was like, Hey, it's so great that you as the congregation are here today. And they're like, that's not a congregation, Brent. That's a crowd. That's, that's the fans <laughs> of the band. And I'm like, no, I got it. And they're like, yeah, he's a pastor. He can't help it. But what's funny is do they support in, in me and my faith? Yeah, of course they do. They're good Christian men. Um, I wouldn't hang out with them if they weren't. But I, y'all, I've got friends who are Jewish and I've got friends who are atheists and everything in between. And they also support me in my faith, even if they disagree. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal for people who disagree with you to support. So how do you incorporate God into your relationship with Christian friends? I would say you invite them to Bible study. You, you invite them to church. You invite them to youth group. Those are the things you would think I would say because I'm a pastor. What I'm saying is you live your life so loud for Jesus that they can't help but hear it in you. And it's not you that they're seeing. It's the Jesus reflected off of you. You know, what does Matthew 5, 16 says? Uh, it says, you know, the light shines. I'm going to butcher this really bad. I always use that scripture um, as just an understanding of the, of the term. You should, our job is to be shiny because, you know, like the moon doesn't produce light. People think the moon glows, but it doesn't. The moon doesn't produce light. Where does the moon's light front come from? The sun. The sun. You guys know that? You've, you've been in science class. Perfect. <laughs> now, there are people out there who think the moon just glows. I was like, no, that's the sun glowing off the moon. And they're like, mm-hmm. but it shines so brightly on the earth. That's still the sun. You know, it's just physics. 
I, you know, I can't, can't help you with that. But uh, to me, that's the way we're supposed to be. It's not our light that shines bright. It's Jesus's light that shines bright. But it has to shine directly off of us. And you want to put God into your relationships with your Christian friends and your non-Christian friends? Don't be ashamed of your Christian faith. And if they can't accept the fact that you're Christian, if they ridicule it or if they make fun of it or anything, ask them why. Because even my, even like I said, one of my best friends in the whole wide world is an atheist. And he and I have had so many wonderful conversations about God and faith and then some. And every now and then he'll say something. And I'm like, wait a minute, too far. You know, okay, that, that you're, you're hitting a little bit too close to, too close to home and you're, you're being a little bit too confrontational about my faith. And as friends, he understands that and has been always willing to back off and be like, okay, you're right. I, I went too far. I went too far, you know, but that's where friendship comes in there. But it's also, he has a respect for my faith. Uh, he's told me many times, he's like, I don't always understand why you do what you do because I don't believe what you believe, but I love the fact that you do it. That's a friend. And you can have those kind of relationships, but our job is to live our lives so loud for the Lord that uh, there's no question about who, who do we serve and who do we follow. Um, do you guys know who John Wesley is? I feel like I've heard the name, I've heard but the name. I don't I hope know so. the person. John Wesley is the is the founder of the United Methodist Church, which is also an off, which is an offshoot is the Nazarene Church, and an offshoot is a little church called the Church of God Anderson, which you two should be familiar with because that's the kind of church you go to, whether you knew it or not. And he's the founder of the Wesleyan faith. And one of the things he says we should do all the good we can for as long as we can. That's all. It's actually a really long quote. I'm going to butcher it. But um, basically, he says we're supposed to do as much good as we can for everyone we can as long as we can. And to me, that's one of the way you incorporate your you incorporate God into your relationships with Christian friends and non-Christian friends. Is you you do good, you live that life, you live it loud, you live it proud, and you don't be afraid to say, "Well, I'm a believer, and this is why I believe it." Um, we are told that we should always be prepared to share our testimony, no matter what it is. And all of us have a testimony, even if it is, I accepted Jesus Christ when I was six years old and I've never looked back. Really? To me, that's an impressive testimony. Other people are like, well, I, I haven't really been through any troubles. Really? You, I'm, I'm still amazed at the whole six years old to now thing. I mean, just, just doggone. Really? How did you pull that off? Because I had questions. I had lots of questions. But the way you do it, I mean, you just live your life. You, you live your life for the Lord and, and people see that. And when they see that you have a joy that they don't have, people tend to ask, well, why are you so happy? Why are you so okay with this? When the world's falling apart, why are you so good? This is why. There you go. All right. So we've been talking about relationships with other people, you know, and I, I, I think um this next thing is like a type of relationship and it's the process of discipleship what is it what's the discipleship process well you're talking from a theological perspective or are you talking from a are you talking like a christian studies perspective or you just want to know like how do i become a closer walk with jesus christ because that's really what discipleship really is right yeah well let's look to the bible then how did the how did, did the disciples get closer to jesus they you know walked and talked with him and stuff yeah they spent time with him you want to know how you become a disciple of jesus christ you spend time with him and you do that through prayer you do that through reading the bible you do that through serving other people you do that through listening to sermons and you, you do that through raising your hands and worship and 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 not worrying about what people think around you um 
discipleship, we try to make it very, very complicated in the Christian faith. It's like, oh, we've got to build disciples. We've got to build disciples. What we're really saying is you want, we're trying to build you into a relationship with Jesus Christ and a relationship that when things happen, it doesn't just fall apart and fall out from under you. So what you're really saying when you say, what's the process of discipleship is, is the same thing you've probably been hearing your entire Christian life, or at least I hope you have. Um, but it's the reason we still ask that question is it's hard. You know, when I tell people, it's like, well, how do you, how do you get closer to God? Well, you read the Bible, man, I got to read. I was like, you read every day. If you can swipe through, you know, like Instagram or, or Facebook or something like that and read somebody's silly posts about llamas, not saying who would post about llamas, but I mean, just, if you can do that, then you can, you can become a disciple of Christ. You know, it's like, well, you need to pray every day. Well, how do I do that? Um, I pray in the shower every day. I know that's TMI, but you know what? It's quiet. Nobody bothers me. The kids are old enough now. They don't interrupt dad's showers. I appreciate that. But that's my quiet time. And God and I have some great conversations in there. And, and often I'll, be, I'll come out of the shower and be like, okay, all right, I can face my day. Um, I tend to pray and read the Bible before I get out of bed in the morning because I know once my feet hit the floor, my day starts and it never, it never really stops. I mean, I'm a dad, I'm a pastor, I'm a husband. I got friends, I got business stuff going on. I got, I got things happening all the time. And if I, uh, if I let my feet hit the floor, it, it gets out of control. Mm -hmm. So read, I read to my devotion before I get out of bed in the morning. You know, every, other people, open, you know, what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Be honest. First thing you do. YouTube. I watch YouTube. YouTube? Uh, you watch TikTok. YouTube? <laughs> TikTok? Me, TikTok. TikTok? <laughs> and for me, it's yeah. like I, I, I used to check Facebook all the time or look and see if I had, you know, tweets or not tweets. Or, I'm old. Um, <laughs> if I had text messages or if I had uh, phone calls that came in during the night because I have my phone on silent for a few hours of the night so I can actually sleep. Um, what I've tended to do lately for the last year or so is I read the Bible first thing. I have a devotional that shows up both in my email and on my on my and as on text me, text message, which is kind of stupid that I have to have it emailed and texted to me, so I'll read it. But I also know how my brain operates. You know, if, um, it's easier for me to do it that way and to get into the Word of God first thing in the morning. How do you build? How do you, how do you? What's the process of discipleship? It is being disciplined, disciplined to pray, disciplined to study, disciplined to serve discipline to worship all those things require discipline and as people there's something i know most people don't like and it's discipline <laughs> if it, because if it was the whole world would be perfect if it was easy everybody would do it and we wouldn't have some of the problems that we face every day you know we wouldn't look around the world and be like wow the whole feels like the whole country and the whole world's kind of falling apart well maybe that's because we've spent years not being disciplined and not being disciples. Right. Maybe it's time for us to make a return to a life of discipleship. Word, praying, worshiping, serving other people, loving people, doing, I don't know what God said. What does he know? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus said, love, love, love God and love others. What does he know? What is, I mean, well, he's the Messiah. Oh, my bad. My bad. He knows a lot. We should, we should trust that guy. We should trust him. Maybe just a little. Maybe just, 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 just a little. <laughs> in in Thailand they would go nitnoi, which means just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just nitnoi. 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 
So you have one more question for me today? Yes. The last question is, where do you, like, like separate ourselves from our Christian friends? Non-Christian friends. Or non-Christian friends. Sorry, my <laughs> non-Christian friends. That's what I meant. What's the so, line? like, where do I draw the where, – what's the line? Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think it's when they um, – I think uh, there may be a couple of these, so forgive me if I, I'm, I'm trying to process my thoughts on this a little bit. I think part of it is um, – if they can't respect you as a Christian, if they if 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 they look at your faith and and it's a constant barrage of either making fun of it or disavowing your faith or, or telling you it's not real, who's who who are they to determine what's real and what's not real in your in your in your heart? Mm-hmm. You know, so if someone is constantly saying, "Oh, you don't need to believe in that. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to do that," uh, they're taking you down a path that doesn't lead anywhere but hell. And I think that's, that's one of those moments that you have to be willing to, to, you know, exclude yourself from that conversation or whatever. That doesn't mean you hate people. It doesn't mean you don't listen to them. I love it when people have a different opinion than I do, because that's how we learn. But I also don't have to go to every conversation that I'm invited to, do I? Right. You both have been to a party, right? Big mm-hmm. groups of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some kind of party. You've been someplace <laughs> where there's people. <laughs> <laughs> you two are like parties, bro. Parties. Oh, no, <laughs> We're not that type of people. <laughs> You've been someplace where there's multiple people probably having yes. different conversations. Right. Do you stay in every conversation that you are invited to? No. no. Sometimes you go, hmm, I'm not cool with what these folks are saying. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bow out. You know, it's that SpongeBob thing. It's like I'm gonna go. You know, kind of thing. You know, just <laughs> I'm out. Um. I think that's one of the things we have to do when we're, when we're dealing with our non-Christian friends. Number one, uh, our goal is always to evangelize. It's to turn our non-Christian friends into Christian friends. And I can tell you that even even my atheist friend, one of the last conversations we had before they moved in, um, out of the country, um, we're standing there, we're talking, we're working on something together, we're talking about it. And uh, the, the topic of God and Jesus comes up for the billionth time. And the comment was, Brent, I know that there's a God. I just don't love him the same way you do. And I was like, wait, we have gone from there is no God and you're silly for believing in him to I know there is one. I just don't love him the way you do. It only took 11 years, 11 short years to get to that point. Now, here's the thing. That gave me hope because I love this guy. I love his whole family. I want to see him in heaven someday. They would be fun to hang out with. <laughs> Seriously. Now, are they there? I would love to tell you, oh, they've accepted Jesus Christ and they've gotten baptized. No, they're not there yet. But does that mean I, I draw a line and say they're no longer a part of my world? No. I had a wonderful conversation with one of my, one of my great friends who happens to be Jewish last Saturday night. We talked for hours. And we do not see the Messiah the same way. But yet, we both love the same God. So, can we find common ground? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Does he appreciate my faith? He does. Mm-hmm. He does. Matter of fact, when his kids were bar mitzvahed years ago, I was part of the process. I was part of the service. So my whole family was. It's possible that you can have non-Christian friends and be a believer. But what the thing you have to do is you have to be so rock solid in your faith that when their questions come up, they don't shake you. You know what I mean? 
-hmm. most people if if they spend if they spend all their time with non-christians they're like well eventually they're like well i'm not a christian anymore really why what changed in your heart or what changed in your mind are you allowing the world to take you away from the relationship that you built with jesus christ and what i'm telling you is your your faith has to be so solid so solid that when someone asks you a question or someone confronts you about it you can sit there and go okay this is the line in the sand i can i can disagree with you i'm still going to believe what i believe you know but i also think that you can have uh you can have there there can even be christian friends that take you down a path that you don't want to be on and you have to pray about that and you have to use god's discernment about that you guys know that word discernment you know what i'm talking about yeah it's like it's like a, a whole you know it's a spiritual gift of understanding and, and wisdom i think you have to use discernment so that you are you're not you're not being dragged down a path that you that you don't want to be on you know what i mean and the path that's going to lead you to nothing but nothing but chaos and nothing but hell so mm-hmm. i don't know did i answer that complete yeah. enough for you or did i take you on too many <laughs> rabbit trails i apologize no that made sense no, that's thank perfect. you for yeah. uh coming on to the show today and talking yes. and with that uh would you like to pray us out today brad oh yeah I am happy to pray because uh, that's a thing about discipleship and relationships with God. <laughs> no, I'm happy. And guys, thank you for doing this podcast. Thank you for uh, for putting this together. Thank you for asking some hard questions and being willing to uh, and being willing to, uh, to to listen to answers and letting an old guy come on and, and hopefully give a little bit of wisdom. And uh, I, I appreciate you guys uh, you guys doing this and making this part of your world right now. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the relationship that we have through you uh, and and with you through him. I uh, I thank you for uh, what Robbie and Ethan are trying to do with spreading some uh, some truth out into the world, Some, but not our truths, Lord, not not the world truths, but your truth. You're the, and the, that is the truth that we need to focus the most on these days. Uh, Lord, I just uh, I thank you for opportunities we have to have relationships with you as well as relationships with other people and just continue to guide us through our relationships. Help us understand what you need from us and how we can be your light shining in a dark world. Lord, we love you and we praise you in all things. Amen. Amen.